Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Good Risings, I'm Liz Earnshaw, and this is Hash It Out. This week, we were joined by my best friend and colleague, Jenna Rosenow, licensed clinical social worker, who was talking to us about how to be there for people when they are struggling. And the day after we recorded our last episode, Jenna actually found her mother dead. And so Jenna won't be joining me today and wasn't able to join me yesterday. But yesterday's episode and today's episode are definitely in honor of Jenna's mom, Susan Garlick, who was a vibrant, loving, very alive person um, who died way too soon. And I might cry a little bit today while I'm talking about it. I might not, but I'm not going to edit it out if I do, because that's just human. But, you know, during the week, we were talking about how to be there for people when hard things happen. And I've had to come face to face with that in the last week. How do I be there for my friend? My friend who I talk with frequently about helping other people to be there for their friends, their family members when something difficult is going on. And yesterday I talked about how I get that that is really challenging. It's hard to know what is too much, what is too little, and that our job with the people we love is to lean into that discomfort anyway, and is to be brave and is to do it because people can't ask for it when they're grieving and they shouldn't have to. We should have to do some of that legwork. In fact, this is a point usually when people are really struggling, especially during those beginning days where the emotional labor in the relationship isn't going to be balanced. And that's okay. It's okay. That's part of a relationship. Several years ago, not several years ago, it was probably more than a decade ago now, I was talking to one of my first supervisors when I was becoming a therapist about a couple who was fighting a lot about things not being 50-50. And they were really tallying up the ledger, right, of who's doing what. And my supervisor drew a picture and she drew a line down the middle of the paper. And she said, you know, in a 50-50 relationship, the line is always down the middle and there's this person on this side and this person on that side and it's always equal and it doesn't change when people get sick or when they get tired or when it's a bad week or when someone has a little more strength than the other person and so it's not realistic that's not going to work it's just going to break in a real relationship a relationship that's really strong and responsive to what's needed it's not 50 50 sometimes it's closer to 50 50 right? It might be 60, 40, but day to day it changes. But when there are things like grief or illness, it really changes. And that line might 
move way over to the left or way over to the right to account for the person who's going to have to do the physical or emotional labor based off of what the other person has the capacity to do. So when people are sick, you know, we were talking about medical illnesses this week, but I'm going to talk about grief today. They need us to be the one doing that work. And I'm repeating myself from yesterday, but I I think it's so, so important to talk about. We have to reach across the aisle. We have to be the one that's reminding them we're there in many different ways. When I first started my career, I was a grief therapist and I worked with a lot of grievers and they would come in and talk about what was hard for them. And again and again and again, what I heard from people who were grieving, this was across the board. I don't think I ever heard this. I don't think I ever didn't hear this from a griever was that their biggest disappointment was how no one was reaching out, that no one was talking about it, that people forgot that maybe in those initial days, people would reach out. But then at a certain point, no one would bring it up and they wouldn't bring it up in any way. They wouldn't send a message saying, I'm thinking about you. I'm sure you're still struggling. They wouldn't bring up the person who had died. They would just act like it never happened. And that they could sense in many ways that it was that the person felt awkward or nervous that they were going to make it worse or whatever. But that in their mind, that that wasn't possible because it already was bad enough. And that somebody bringing it up wasn't going to make it worse, but was going to make them feel seen in their grief and their loss, and was also going to be a good reminder that no one forgot. And so when I'm working with people now who have a friend or a family member who's experienced loss, I'm often encouraging them, reach out even if you haven't heard, even if you're afraid it's going to upset them, ask them a question. Let them know what you remember about their loved one. If you find a picture, send it. Two weeks in, send a meal because people have stopped sending meals at that point. Send flowers randomly, send a card. And people will feel really uncertain about that. They'll say, I don't know, I don't want to upset them or I feel like they've gotten distant or, or whatever. And I can empathize with that right now. You know, this is my best friend and there have still been mornings where I'm like, maybe I don't send a message because it's going to sound like, you know, I'm bringing up the wound or maybe I shouldn't send a message because maybe she wants space or maybe she's signaling that, you know, she doesn't want to talk to anybody. But I do it anyway because I have this unique experience and this honor of hearing behind the scenes from clients again and again and again. No one's reaching out to me or they've stopped reaching out to me because they said they didn't hear from me. And that's not what I wanted. I wanted people to reach out. And if I didn't, I would tell them. And so I want to share my wisdom that I think that I'm just really privileged to have. I want to share that with you, that even if it feels hard or awkward or uncomfortable, it's really, really important. And I want to couple that with empathy from the real life experience that I'm having, that I get that it's really hard. I get that in your your own human experience, that that uncertainty is, is scary and that you don't want to upset anybody or you don't want to do the wrong thing. 
but I'm lucky that I can face off with that, right? That when I have that feeling of maybe they're going to feel like I'm bothering them, that I can recall all of the clients that I've had that have said, it's not a bother. It's really important. And so I want to give you that. And I want you to be able to couple those things together. I'm Liz Earnshaw. I'm the author of I Want This to Work. You can find me on Instagram at Liz Listens. This episode is in memory of my best friend's mom, Susan Garlick, who was a beautiful, wonderful person. And I hope that you can all think about her today and just keep her in your heart, keep her name in your heart. Thank you for listening to Good Risings. We love to hear from you. Until next time, love on your loved ones. And when that gets hard, tune in to me to learn how to hash it out. Good Risings is presented by Cavalry Audio.